service matters, whether you're in the military or you're a journalist or you're a teacher or a fireman, first responder, it matters when you serve. It's about a purpose-driven life. People wanted to ask me how my, my child wants to be a catcher. What do I tell them? I say, catch every ball. And in life, isn't that the way it is? We all show some form of valor. Common people doing uncommon things. Loyalty, duty, honor, respect, selfless service, integrity, personal courage. They laid down everything to go to war for us so we can be free to sit here and talk this podcast. Why? Why did you do it? What impelled you to put aside the instinct for self-preservation and risk your life? It was faith and belief. It was loyalty and love, clear convictions and belief. It's important in a democracy for us to know that freedom isn't free. The Bob Feller Act of Valor Foundation is exactly the right name for that foundation to inform the American public about the ideals and the virtues and the heroism of people like Bob Feller. Bob Feller, he said, my one piece of advice is read our Constitution and run your lives according to the Constitution. We swear an oath to a document that stands for freedom, makes this experiment that we call the United States of America. We are not perfect, but we hold the moral high ground. We are trying to, in the words of our founding document, in order to form a more perfect union. There are going to be some tough calls to make the world safer, better, to represent those values. We can continue to make this world a much, much better place. Welcome back, everyone, to the American Valor Podcast. Today, we are pleased to have a conversation about leadership with retired Navy Command Senior Enlisted Leader Enrique Acosta Gonzalez. After 26 years of service in the United States Navy, Enrique has been involved in business, nonprofits, and other communities, including service as a CEO of Triad Leadership Solutions, where he hosts two podcasts on leadership, Developing the Leader Within podcast and the Leadership Void podcast. Enrique also volunteers for the Bob Feller Foundation, seeking to embody the traits that National Baseball Hall of Famer and United States Navy Chief Petty Officer Bob Feller himself lived by. Citizenship, service above self, and commitment to country in a time of great national need. Thank you so much for joining us on the American Valor Podcast, sir. It's definitely my honor. Thank you. If you will, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I, I, my uh, career started in Puerto Rico uh, right after Hurricane Hugo. The devastation actually allowed me to see uh, a way forward to how I can help the island in the future. And so uh, I have been recruited by the Navy uh, to become a meteorologist and oceanographer. So the whole premise was that I was going to go back to the island and help out, uh, but the career went a little extended, and so that uh, that kind of went away, um, but uh, that's where it all started. And, uh, you know, after 26 years, I ended up becoming a command senior enlisted leader uh, for three commands, uh, which was at the tail end of my career. Uh, and that was uh, probably where leadership really took root, although it started way before. Uh, and 
it was one of the greatest moments of my life uh, thus far. So you mentioned growing up in Puerto Rico. How did that affect joining the Navy and your desire? You mentioned you were in JROTC, and that led you a way to contribute. Can you tell us more about your process of joining the Navy? Yeah, actually, the JROTC was in uh, the Bronx, New York, at DeWitt Clinton High School. That was uh, three years of Air Force uh, Junior ROTC. And my last year, uh, there was a, a family decision to uh, move back to Puerto Rico. That's why I actually joined the Navy from there. So the military background, the military upbringing was reared through the JROTC program. And once I knew I was gonna graduate, I actually thought that the best way for me to progress as a person would was to join the military. Originally, I had went after the Air Force and eventually ended up in the Navy. What did the Navy teach you about leadership? That's a tough one, uh, being that early on, I learned what leadership should not have been. Uh, so uh, unfortunately, I, I, I didn't have the uh, great leaders right from the beginning. Uh, I had good examples of leadership, uh, but it was external, right? What I saw in others, uh, but not my immediate uh, chain of command. So what I learned right off the bat was what not to do as a leader. And that kind of helped me. Uh, and these things, you know, never good to go through, but it taught me early on that there were other things that I should be doing versus what I was seeing. And that actually propelled me at an early age in the military to do better. And eventually what, what, what those situations uh, led was uh, I ended up starting to be a beacon for those that we're seeing the same thing I was seeing, except now they had someone inside that could help. And so that's how it all really started, trying to not do what I saw bad examples do. So your career went from one island, Puerto Rico, and then took you to Hawaii, and you worked with Navy SEALs out of Pearl Harbor. What was it like working at such a historic site? Yeah, the ability or the opportunity to go to Hawaii uh, right after, as your first duty station was uh, was a blessing. It ended up being a, that's where I first started and then I ended up there. But working with the SEALs was through uh, an organization or a unit called the Mobile Environmental Team. These teams were basically attached to units on a kind of like a loner uh, basis. We would go support a mission and then that mission would end and then we would go back home to our, you know, our home headquarters. It happened to be there at Pearl Harbor. And so I was fortunate uh, the other day I was just telling my son because they were talking about a Japanese ship. I was able to not only go with the Coast Guard with a Japanese vessel with uh, of course uh, Navy vessels uh, the SEAL team as a support element, uh, but I was able to do 
all kinds of other things that normally would not be done by common sailors. So that opportunity to go to Hawaii actually opened up a huge learning curve for me in terms of all the variety of different jobs that you could do as a meteorologist. From the time that I was there with the SEAL unit, things have changed, obviously. Now they actually have their own dedicated meteorology team that's there with them and supporting them, you know, 24-7. And we were actually, at the time, uh, just being basically branched out to them to do a mission. Once the mission was done, then we would go back to home base. And now you've moved on from uh, your weather services and your meteorology degree into focusing on developing leaders with triad leadership solutions. Uh, what has that experience been like moving from the Navy into the private sector? Yeah, it has been nothing short of tough huh? <laughs> because uh, transition for everyone is different. Uh, but I think that all military could probably say that when they transition into the general populace, back into the communities uh, as a you know normal citizen, uh, that uh, the thing that the, the whole transition is is tough. We have our own world, we speak our own language, and uh, and some of that is hard to uh, give up after you know so long. But the leadership piece is something that translates pretty well. Uh, the application is different, but the terminologies and the practices and the applications are pretty similar. It's just how you employ them. So that part wasn't that hard to adapt to. And actually all the years in the Navy facilitated it being you know, easy. Now, the part is, how do you bring the military experience forward so that it can actually resonate with those you know, clients or those you're speaking in front of on a daily basis? Uh, but leadership is leadership. Yeah, and one of the things you mentioned in a, a video I saw of you was that the leaders now are different in the private sector because they're, they're looking out for themselves. They're looking out for number one, whereas in the military, the leaders, you know, you're a group trying to achieve a common goal and you have to make sacrifices. And at, at times to an extreme, it uh, includes yourself. Is that frustrating for you coming out of the Navy and then seeing the selfishness in certain leaders when in, in all realism, they should probably be selfless? Yes, uh, it was very tough. Uh, a person that is selfish makes it hard for, and especially if they're in a leadership position, um, uh, makes it uh, hard for those that are following them, uh, whether willingly or not. <laughs> some some is disposition, uh, but it is a tough situation to be in. Uh, there are a lot of frustrations uh, because you know what true effective leadership looks like. And when you see it in position and, it, and that's actually not happening, the first people I think of is the people who are following this leader. 
or the people who have to be under such a leader. And so there is a difference between the mindset of unity and core and support of the team versus, you know, highlighting yourself. And in the military, we really try to do a very good job in minimizing individuals, right? We have missions, we have uh, objectives that need to be met and they must be met by the collective. You cannot be a collective if there are a bunch of individuals, right? So we try to educate and steer every sailor, airman, marine, coast guardman, national guardman to the team mindset for the benefit of the unit and the mission. When I transitioned out into the, you know, common community, back, uh, you know, as a civilian, what I found was that there were, there was a lot of me, and I realized at first it was weird because I said, man, that's not leadership. But then I realized that that is the way people are reared. It is sad to see, but it is the way it is. You know, so that area is a, a sort of a frustrating, but what you can do is be the light, be the person that you want to see in leadership. That way you can bring some type of breathing room for those that are suffering because at the end of the day, whether you are a good leader or a bad leader, the people under you are the ones that either benefit from it or hurt from it. And so I try to focus on the people and how I can bring, you know, a breath of fresh air without, you know, usurping certain authorities, but for their sake, uh, as I, I love to say, you know, leadership should be carried out with the mindset of a life is at stake. And if we all did leadership with that mindset, then we wouldn't hurt the people uh, by our actions, by our words, uh, by any misguided leadership that we can provide. Uh, but we would really focus on them and see how we can make their life better, which will make us a better leader. Talking about helping people as individuals and as part of a team, one of the great stories about Bob Sala is his choosing to enlist in the Navy immediately after the attack on Pearl Harbor. One of the great components from his story is the importance of service. What does service mean to you? Yeah, you. I think you hit it right uh, on the head. It's it's not about you. When you when you serve, you serve with the understanding that you are negating yourself to the point where someone else is more important at the moment. Uh, that that's what makes uh, the difference between all the heroes that you hear of and, and those that uh, just waste away. Self, uh, service before self is, is one of the greatest uh, models that I, I, that I know, both in the 
secular, regular world. I've, I've heard it in the religious sect. It is, it, it is the call to do everything you can for someone else where the greatest joy is had. And I've experienced that both in the military and out. That service calls for a certain mindset. You cannot think that you're the most important thing when it comes to service. Uh, it's contradictory. I've always found it to be the greatest joy and the greatest honor to see someone else elevated. Uh, because at the same time, if you think about it, if you help somebody become elevated and, you know, and get some good out of their life, you was a participant. You're part of that. And there's no greater joy than to see someone excel and become something great, and you had a part of it. And I think you definitely fulfilled that idea of service before self, given your time in the Navy and now working with the Bob Seller Foundation um, and also your work with the Camaraderie Foundation. Can you tell us about the great work that uh, they're doing at the Camaraderie Foundation? Yeah, the Camaraderie Foundation is a great uh, organization here in Orlando and, and now uh, in Tampa as well. Uh, they concentrate on dealing with the invisible wounds of our service members and their families. Uh, one of the things that, you know, a scar will be with you, but you can do a lot about scars. <laughs> you can put some makeup on. You could do something about scars. Uh, some you, you really can't. Uh, but the mind does not forget. There's been a lot of servicemen and women that have gone through some traumatic uh, moments in their service time. We don't see it. You, it. It's not written on their chest. It's not written on their forehead. Uh, it's all internal. And so what the Camaraderie Foundation does is it facilitates uh, being able to speak with professionals, to be able to navigate through that treacherous landscape of, of the mind and the, and the hearts and the feelings that you have uh, due to those traumatic moments. They not only deal with that, but they also have what I'm involved in is, is a mentorship program for a year where established businessmen or established veterans or people that are doing great things, civilians even, they volunteer for a year and they have a program that is dedicated to bringing in veterans that are just freshly out trying to navigate uh, the civilian world waters. We mentor them for a year. If they don't have jobs, we try to make sure that they are poised for you know, being picked up by a company. Uh, we use our resources, uh, what we know of the community, anything that we know concerning hiring. We get them where they need to be during that year so that they can excel in their next phase of life. That mentorship program is vital to all the veterans that are out here, uh, and I'm happy to be part of it. One thing you mentioned was the scars beneath, and we talked to Kevin Hertel on the podcast, and he's part of the 
suicide awareness and remembrance flag, which honors and remembers veteran people who took their lives as a, and the scars that they had beneath that you mentioned. And one of the things we talked to them about was this idea of warrior attitude about not really sharing your feelings and talking about your experiences and how that builds up. From your experience, does this camaraderie foundation help eliminate that warrior attitude and trying to move them into assimilate them better coming back from the military? Yeah, yeah, you know, the process as a whole, I'm not too familiar with, but what I've seen is the results. So you can only get there if you can actually bring somebody past that that complex of I'm going to keep with, keep this in. I'm going to work with I'm going to do this. They actually lay out a way where you can become vulnerable because that's what that is, right? You don't you don't you don't want to be vulnerable again, so you try to do it yourself. They have an, a way through their counseling program to be able to break some of that down. So I would say that yes, they are able to facilitate you putting down your guard so that you can get the help that you need. In one of your podcasts, you talked about implementing parts in your leadership and the importance of having personal relationships with others. What does it mean to lead with heart? The the heart piece is 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 so uh, sense a sensitive issue, right? There there's different thoughts behind vulnerability and that's really what it is. I just I just said that uh, in my last comment. Putting your heart in leadership requires a lot of vulnerability. There are folks that don't like you to. There are some that are opposed to knowing, you know, knowing your team members too well. But aren't we just dealing with people? <laughs> so if a leader cannot address someone as a person, then they become an object. And if you're dealing with objects, then there's no real care. And if you don't care, then why you are a leader? <laughs> that's my that's my approach. Uh, and so in order to care, you must implement and you must bring in the heart aspect of being human because we are leading people. For instance, let's say Bob has a wife. They're about to have their first child. Don't know anything about Bob except that he shows up at eight because I told him to. But then he has a child, and now he has to, to support his wife and support his child. And he comes in and says, can I be in? I, I, you know, it was a long night. Can I be in a little later? Yada, yada. I said, no. The posted sign says 8 o'clock, and if you're not here by 8 o'clock, you're gone. By all intents and purposes and by the rules, yeah, you're right. If he's not there by eight, he should be gone or at least written up or whatever disciplinary uh, processes that the company may have. But how inhuman is that? <laughs> you know, to understand that he is in a different part of life, that he's probably dealing with something that he's never dealt with before. And everybody that may have a child understands that. And for me to 
not tie my heart to that situation and give some leeway or find some way that I can legally do that, allow him to, you know, take time for his family, where the team may absorb one or two items that he has in that morning, you know, and then there's an understanding. How, how great would that be for Bob and his wife? You know, so you see the application of heart opens up doors for future great work because Bob comes in the next morning and says, thank you so much. I've never had somebody do that for me, man, whatever you need. That, and that's how that goes. It's not to get, it's to facilitate a better working environment, a better environment for Bob and his wife and his child, a better environment for the team as a whole. And unless you apply heart, you can't get there. And that really overlaps with something we talked to Terry Spain about when we had our conversation on leadership with him. The difficulty with leadership is that it's so dynamic because you're working with humans and not necessarily just moving pieces around and they're not objects because you do have most people, I would say, have that heart and see those difficulties that some people may be facing and you still need to achieve your objectives, but you also have these feelings toward people. What is your definition of leadership? You know, we, it's so dynamic that, you know, often people recognize it when they see it, but it's really hard to put a, a sound definition. So as someone who has made a career being a leader and helping others develop their skills, what is your definition of leadership? Well, there's, you're right. There's so many definitions, and a lot of people say, well, a person that influences. Well, I've seen people influence in a bad way, and, <laughs> and so are they really leaders? Uh, well, there's a positive leader and there's a negative leader. Uh, so some people will say, yeah, they're still leaders. What I think leadership is, is the ability to leave an imprint on somebody's heart and mind that allows them to decide for themselves that you're worthy to be followed. That is great. I think an extension of that in applying leadership in a way is valor. I'd like to ask you, what is your definition of valor? Yeah, for someone that has not uh, faced a situation like like him, <laughs> you know, that era, wow, uh, you could say that everybody on that ship <laughs> was full of valor uh, just to be on there. Uh, but um, valor is a complete denial of yourself for the sake of your fellow man. It, 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 it's way beyond courage because co courage gets you to the point where you can uh, enact valor. Courage could, not, could possibly not be enough to get you to point of valor, but it truly is a complete denial of self for the sake of, of your fellow man. It's an amazing definition, and I think you show a lot of valor as you put your service ahead of yourself, given your military service, now your participation in multiple foundations, including the uh, Bob Feller Active Valor Foundation and the Camaraderie Foundation. So we'd like to thank you for your service in those three areas and everywhere else that you help out. Thank you for your time joining us on the podcast. 
No, thank you, and I appreciate you uh, letting me join you, and uh, I wish you all success. Enrique, thank you so much. Thank you.